everyone. I've got a question for you. What's black and white and seen all over? It's ARG Presents Black and White. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Ooh, get this out of here. I am Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who's a colorless drab fellow in his own right. I give you Brent. I prefer to say I'm neutral. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so if you joined us last week, we spun the wheel and we made the all-important deal. A deal I didn't see coming, that's for sure. And this week, we're going to be playing games that are black and white. That's right. What's this all about? The monochrome right? era. Hey, before games were color, they were black and white. So I think we should take a little look back at the history of black and white games. To be fair, black and white <laughs> are colors. That's correct. So there you go. So uh, with that in mind. Actually, one is the absence of color oh, and geez. one is all color. Okay, Professor Genius. <laughs> so with that in mind, we thought we would take a tiptoe through some early uh, monochrome or black and white games and just discuss a few of our favorites and talk about some of the early stuff. So Brent, uh, I compiled a small list of old monochrome games and we're going to count monochrome in this list. Which oh, certainly. And yes. And, uh, and, and Vectrix and Vector stuff. Yes. So just for fun, what is your earliest recollection? Was the first game you ever saw? I'm guessing it was not black and white given your age. Correct. Uh, but my, I remember uh, playing some of the Pong systems, the, the plug into your television, uh, 13 variations of Pong. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. those were all monochrome at the time. You know, we never had one of those. No. Nope. Our uncle had one. That's correct. And, and we used to play it. Now, uh, my, the very first game I ever saw, I believe, I've talked about this before, it was either, it was either Boot Hill or Space Invaders. I think it was Boot Hill. Uh, but I, as I recall, uh, it was in black and white. But I know there, I think there are some versions out there that have an overlay on them as well. Viva La Rosa. That's right. Well, I don't know why. That <laughs> came out of nowhere. So, uh, uh, but I, I, but I, another one of the games I saw early on was Space Invaders, which absolutely, in fact, we've owned Space Invaders. Yes. Uh, the mother of all games. And uh, this thing uh, utilized overlays in certain versions yes. as well. So, uh, what are you talking about? We've talked, we've covered a few overlays they were pretty effective on these on these monochrome they were well they they were doing the best they could with the technology they had and uh it was very innovative uh it game that gave the games depth in a way that you know really even color doesn't give because a lot of those overlay games actually had layers upon layers that made the game feel deep if you remember x's and o's football where you had the stadium overlay. Which we had. Well, that was yeah. really more of a bezel. Yeah. Uh, and, but it got smaller and smaller. But that and was all done with that was all done with the cardboard that, and right. plastic over top of the screen. But right, and this and then the game itself was black and white. It gave the illusion of depth of looking down to the stadium because they had to do something to spice up the black and white well, screen. Let's talk about uh, your asteroids, I believe it's asteroids deluxe that has that really swank asteroid black background that had that uh, where the yeah it's overlaid with the monochrome that was a, a cool kind of mirror gimmick from back yes the day. we've talked about that before yes that was some awesome <clears throat> stuff that would give you a little bit of, of a feeling of color and depth in your game and when you came home to the home computer almost all the first computers were monochrome uh and of course Absolutely. anywhere you've got a computer they're going to be games uh do you recall the first computer you ever used the, uh, probably the TRS-80. So, so you weren't around. Like when I was a young lad, there was one computer at our school, and it was a TRS-80 Model 2, I believe, that we had one computer in the whole middle school. And, it, of course, it was a, a monochrome uh, uh, computer. But you're right. That was, that's, what, that's all you had. There, was, there were no computers that had color. 
first computer that I saw that had any color at all would have been the uh, one of the Atari 8-bit machines. And then shortly thereafter, uh, shortly thereafter was an, that would have been an Apple II that, we, uh, that I saw that had a, 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 a was one of the Apples that so far back I can't remember. And uh, then really from there, you move on to black and white consoles. Uh, the Vectrix comes to mind as being the most dominant one yeah. that went back to the arcade technology of using, using overlays to get the color. Right. Um, <clears throat> of Which course, all... To great effect. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then you've got all the Pong consoles that were black and white, uh, you know, uh, different variations of soccer and the, the Arkanoid breakout type Sh stuff. Shooting stuff. There was yes. a shooting element. Yeah, and then from there, you go into portables that did black and white before they did color. Even with the technology being there. Yeah, the, uh, for example, the, another one, the TRS-80, the portable uh, TRS-80, I had had sort of a uh, color. It was almost it was almost like an LED screen. Almost it was a computer. You got the the Game Boy, of course, the most famous of them all. Yes. Plus the Game dot com was black and white in the beginning, uh, and then finally your very early versions before smartphones of cell phone games were black and white. Right. So it's really it's if you go back and look at the history, it's a continuous reset of. Let's push the technology to something new. Okay, we're going to start in black and white because that's what's easiest. Move up from there, then fall back, and just to repeat the cycle again. Now, I got a little list here of some old, old, incredible old black and white games. I thought we'd talk about it just real quick, and just get, I'm just going to name a couple of the big hitters, and you tell me if you played them and what you thought. So, and this was a big game when I was because we've talked about gunfight on here. I'm going to skip yes. that. Sea Wolf. Have you ever played that? I have played Sea Wolf. Yes. Yeah. Um, a death race, a very uh, infamous game. Well, some it's a Sea Wolf. For those who haven't played it, is a, a sub base game. That's right. Uh, when Death Race, it very controversial at the time because yeah. it would. I mean, this is uh, the first game that you were you killed your opponent and a little gravestone would pop up and it'd say it R.I.P. Sort of like an actual human. <clears throat> yes, you and you ran game. over people. Um, Lunar Lander, one of my favorites. One of the best. Uh, uh, really good. They made, they made an excellent version, in uh, a public domain version, on the, or uh, a homebrew version on the Vectrix. Very good as well. Uh, Lunar Lander, the claim to fame on that is, you know, you're you're trying to land on the moon on little platforms, and you're just using a thruster. Yeah. So you just have to ease yourself down on the planet. Very fun. That's, a, that's an quite, excellent. I almost chose, by the way. That's that's a game that if you haven't played it, you really it's it, there is no game quite like it. It's, it's worth fun. going back and taking a look um, at. Red Baron was an excellent wireframe. Uh, like flight. I don't know if you played Red, that. Red. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of game. my favorite uh flight games actually. Yeah, really good. Back in the day, played it at Showbiz, <laughs> and it had the whole set down cock, uh, cockpit. And man, I would just pump quarters in that yeah, thing endlessly. That was fun. That was fun. Um, have you played um, Sprint Two, which is fun. and they also had a four-player. I think even had an eight version that was the same thing. It was the overhead top-down racing yes. games that were popular back in the day. Yeah, this was uh, uh, the modern equivalent. Would be I guess off-road. The off. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Iron Man Stewart's off-road. Yes, except, except of course those are far more elaborate. Oh, of course, did. but this was still it's a top-down view. Of you racing around tracks, it feels more like uh, remote-controlled cars yeah, than it, anything else the, because uh, of your perspective. Yeah, the, uh, the fact is they even had an eight-player version. Bounding, think about yes. that's a lot of steering wheels. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about Omega Race. This is a game I was very fond of back in the day. Uh, again, a, a game where you race around this uh, 
the spaceship around this sort of like square or rectangular area just blowing stuff away. Absolutely. It, it incorporated uh, more of a space theme uh, and guns and weapons, and going around the track was only half the battle because of all the obstacles. Yeah, we covered a game one here that uh, falls in this category, the old stunt cycle. Stunt cycle, yeah. The uh, uh, the look at Evil Knievel jumping over buses, uh, certainly another monochrome game that we did cover. Um <laughs> I liked uh, I liked that one quite a bit. Uh, just a couple more here. Fire Truck, which I don't know if you ever played that, but it's a pretty interesting. One. I have not played Fire Truck. Yeah. Not in the arcade. I have dabbled with it on the uh, emulation. However, it does not emulate well. Yeah. It does not like emulate that. well. Now, are there any console uh, monochrome games that were amongst your favorites? You think of off the top um, of your head? Well. On the Game Boy, there were there were plenty. Uh, the monochrome version of Tetris for the Game Boy was is one of the best games of all time. Yeah, we could we, we it's funny that we did this. I, I, neither one of us actually chose anything from the Game Boy, but the Game Boy effectively you could absolutely chose in, anything from its library. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and they're, 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 it's the quintessential monochrome portable or monochrome home. Absolutely. System. It well, and it's it shows you how far monochrome went into the future. You know. Uh, at the time of its release. I mean, and I have a feeling the next thing that comes out maybe past some kind of virtual reality, yeah. which really, I guess they already did VR in, in monochrome because of the Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy, which is another one. And the problem, and, and actually, uh, well, we, we did a Virtual Boy way back. Oh, it's been a while back. It was one of the earliest episodes me together. Nope, and, I wasn't part of it. Oh, you? I thought you were part of nope. it. Was that Boat? Yes. Well, that is way back then. And the yeah, I've, I've given the Virtual Boy a couple more looks. And that game was a missed opportunity. Uh, uh, I like the games for it. Are, they look nice. They really did. The monochrome, I don't feel the monochrome is what hurt the Virtual Boy the most. I think the clunkiness yeah. of how you were expected to use it it's was goofy. the most devastating. The fact that you have to use a, have your head in this thing and have that on a stand. Yeah, that, it, what, it, it, they should have just went with a complete head well, strap. Uh, like, something tells me if they, re, if they were going to remake the Virtual Boy today, you could probably pull it off quite nicely. And make a pretty light unit that would fit that you could wear around without much trouble. I think it's possible. Yeah. So I think that part of the problem was just that they were very, uh, we're going for something that was very advanced. And yeah, innovative. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and leap directly into the lot of fire here. Now, <clears throat> I'll go first this week, Brent, if I may. Sounds good. Because when Brent said we were doing black and white games, I instantly knew exactly. I told him right there. I was like, I know what I'm doing. And I hated it. I hate, hated it. But I'm, I, I'm thinking outside the box here. And also, when am I going to be down this road again? How is this going to come up? So the game I chose to cover this week is a pinball game. And it's Centaur. Centaur, a game from Bally Manufacturing. Uh, it... Uh, was a game that came out in, in 1981. So this is uh, right at the dawn of the uh, solid state era. Now, why would I pick a pinball game, you may ask? Well, that's exactly what I asked. Centaur, it, there's only two games, pinball games, I've ever seen that uh, had the look of Centaur, and that was Centaur and Centaur 2. Yeah, which are the which same game. Centaur 2 is effectively the exact same game as Centaur 1, except for the back glass is different and. They consolidated some of the uh, intra, the internal parts, and so it's it's the the actual mechanisms are a little bit different, but it's the same game. Yeah, so, it is certainly the same game. They changed the cabinet, uh, the, the shape of the cabinet yeah. a bit to make it a little more uh, 
uh, maintenance friendly. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't try to. They didn't try to trick anybody. And often, uh, and cent- I found that Centaurs and Centaur twos are worth just about the same amount of money. Yeah, I'm, which is understandable because it, again, it is effectively the same game. So uh, again, this this game was uh, uh, manufactured in in October of 1981, and they produced 3,700 units. It's not a it's that's not a, a that's a pretty small run. It's I mean, not it's a, a big huge run, but it's it's a, it's a middle middle of the road. That's run. a middle of the road run for the 80s. Um, this this machine had. Uh, the usual things you would expect to see, the pop, pop buffers and, and uh, bank targets and that, that sort of things. But one of the things it had that was real unique at the time was a five-ball moldy ball. Yes. Now, <clears throat> Centaur, why did I pick that for black and white game? The, the entirety of the reason is the art, all of the art in this game is all in black and white. Yes. Uh, the only light you're right, there are a few touches of red on occasion. Most, of the, pop most bumper. of the color you'll see is from is from lighting. Yes, it's an incredibly uh, unusual and 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 uh, odd looking beast, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the premise of this game, of course, it's centaur. I mean, normally centaur is the body of a horse with a torso of a guy stuck Correct. in the front. In this in the in this fantasy futuristic version of a centaur, you got a man's torso hooked to basically a motorbike. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> which would that would. That'd be rough, you know. <laughs> you know, that'd be that'd be a hard life. Uh, but it, this this the the vibe of this machine is unlike any other machine I've ever seen. The uh, again, you've got all black and white art. The art is real, uh, freaking amazing looking art. It is. It's a very beautiful machine. Well, it's 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 uh, oh, it, it, and it's creepiness. It's a very beautiful yeah. machine. Um, the designer of it was a fellow named Jim Patla. Now Patla actually has designed a bunch of good. Of good machines, and this one was. There's really, if you look at what he's designed, it's nothing like nothing that he did looks like this game. Uh, so, what is this? What makes this game special aside from the artwork? It also talks. It says it, it'll have. It's one of those continuously, games, and it's sort of like it's often compared to uh, a Gorgar Brent in that uh, uh, the uh, the the way it talks is it taunts you. Basically, and, you know, it makes fun of you for uh, for various failures. Um, so, making some weird noise here. Uh, the uh, the difference in this game and say a Gorgar is there's a reverb. There's like a reverb mechanism that sound runs through. Yes, and so it makes it sound real echoey and bizarre, and it, it works real well. Uh, so. The designer we mentioned his name is Jim Pata. He did a lot of games. So, so check this out: he did forty-one machines. That's incredible. That's a lot of design. I picked out some of his highlights. Uh, he, he amongst his games of note: El- Elvira and the Party Monsters. Great machine. Uh, the, the original Kiss pinball machine. Not great. I mean, it's an awesome. It's a super popular. <laughs> Uh, the original Playboy machine, uh, which is a, not another, great. Uh, well, he's saying not great, and, and you gotta understand the years these were released, but they're super duper collectible. Um, he did Matahari, which was a really good game, and he also did Time Tunnel, which I always liked. Time Tunnel was we did we own a Time Tunnel? No, no, we did not. Uh, we the, won a Time Tunnel. Now the art on this it's was pretty done, good one. The art on this was done by a fellow named Paul Ferris. Now Paul Ferris is another prolific uh, guy. But listen to these other titles he's done. This will blow your mind because if you look at the art on Centaur, it's nothing like any of these machines. 
And he did a lot of my favorites, by the way. Twister, he did the art on that. He did the art on Goldeneye, which is another game I really like. Hmm. He did the art on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Hook, Checkpoint, Batman, uh, Phantom of the Opera, Total Recall, Grand Lizard. That's got awesome art. Uh, Andromeda, Xenon, Evil Knievel, <laughs> Lost World, Playboy. And the big one, he did the art on WWF Royal Rumble. Wow. So the set, which is, we've got set behind us. So the same guy that did the art for Royal Rumble did the art for this. And, That's and, amazing, isn't it? Don't you well, think? Well, you can tell, I mean, just from that list, it really goes all over the map to human realistic, to fantasy, to uh, uh, sci-fi. So he, the dude is obviously just a good artist. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, so... This game is held in pretty high regard by players, and one of the reasons why it's held in such regard is the fact that the, uh, the, play, the way it's designed, a, a, a lot of games of this era are, are similar to this, but this one where it takes, there's not a lot, there are already no ramps, there's no elevations, it's pretty much a, a flat uh, play field. Again, it's, it's, it, for me, it reminds me somewhat of uh, Gorgar, uh, but what this does is, what, is it, it makes the multi-ball Particularly insane. It's yeah. all, this is also known as a difficult uh, machine to, to, to play, and that's why it's, it's often used in tournaments and whatnot. Yeah, in play, uh, it's all based uh, on sequential targeting. Uh, so you have to get your drop targets down in the correct order to be rewarded, and if you hit a drop target out of order, it cancels the rewards you are going to get, so you have to knock everything down to reset it to try again. Uh, also, I don't know if you plan on mentioning this, but I'm going to mention it. Go ahead. The uh, multi-ball in this, most games at the time were capture multi-balls. You would shoot yeah. a ball into a, into a scoop, and the ball would sit there until you completed some other reward, and then the machine would release the ball. That's not how it works in Centaur. When you get a multi-ball, uh, it actually shoots the ball from the shooter lane, but the, it's from underneath. So you're just playing along, and a ball will come out of the middle of the shooter lane because there's a ramp that goes under underneath, pop out and enter the play field. I love that. By the, the way, when, when you're not expecting it, holy moly! I'd wait. To, I would not be surprised if this is the first one ever to do it. Uh, I don't have a list here, but it was a. I, I like it's a smooth addition of a ball, and it catches you. Too. It does. And yeah. you're right. When a lot of games are like, uh, uh, and we've actually owned some that were like this, like Firepower Two, for example. Uh, we'll, we'll grab a ball, hold it, and then you and then you'll get a simple two or maybe even three ball, multi ball, or like or like a, I think it's a space shuttle that does that, or no, or it might be a space station, one of the two, where you, it holds the balls. Yeah, this one just adds balls uh, whenever you get there, and it, and it does get a little crazy. Uh, um, uh, the artwork on this is nice. I've mentioned the centaur. There's also his, I guess, hot dominatrix girlfriend. Is featured, is <laughs> yeah, featured in the game, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Uh, there's also a uh, you could got, kind of get into her boudoir, and and there's stuff to do in there. Uh, the uh, the fact of the matter is, the game has uh, sound effects and the and the and the uh, art in this game. Like I said, to me, it gives it a crazy combination of sort of a Mad Maxy feel and plus a fantasy element that I, I've never seen anything quite like it. In fact, it's 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 not it's sort of Geiger esque or Geiger in the fact that you've got a man who's half motorcycle and half human. Sure. But he's got motorcycle and uh, human. Or he's got sort of like centaur parts also in the back end of him. It's a real unusual looking cat. Yeah. And he dominates the uh, the back glass and 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 it, 
It works well. Again, this era, they were taking a lot of chances. I mean, if you look at Gorgar, it's another sort of abstract monster type of affair. Uh, but like I said, for this episode, this thing looks so unique, I had to throw it in. I yeah, and, and it is black and white. The, the art in this is black and white. Uh, so Yeah, so again, this thing, this thing ran for 3,700 uh, a 37-unit run, and so that was good enough to for it to get a quote-unquote sequel, like we mentioned earlier, which is Centaur 2. It came out in 85. Again, it was basically the same. It was the same. It was the exact game, yeah. As the other one. So I had a look on eBay to see what this was going for, uh, and I actually found uh, found a couple uh, copies of it. Uh, it's going for around $3,500. And that's pretty reasonable yeah. for a good machine. And Centaur 2 goes about the same. Now, I've seen them go as low as 2000 and I haven't seen any go much higher. I've seen people asking more. Sure. Uh, now, this is one of those games that you can actually play uh, at home, sort of. Uh, this was released on the Pinball Arcade when they owned, when they had the rights to do the Valley stuff. They lost uh, those rights, it, unless you already own it, or you can find the disc, a copy that, that I don't think it ever was on the disc. But you right. Have to no, I think it, it was a download. You're pretty much boned. Now, I'm assuming at some point in the future, yeah, the folks that will get re-released. Machine uh, uh, will release it. Now, Hopefully so, because it's a fun machine to play. Although I will have to say, it is very, very challenging. Yeah, and it can be very, very frustrating because doing things in sequential order in pinball can always be frustrating. Now, I, I did look up a couple uh, ratings on this. Of course, when you want, when you're talking pinball, you've got to go to the Internet Pinball Database, uh, and they have this uh, ranked as a solid eight out of ten, uh, which is uh, there, you know, Internet Pinball Database. Their rating system is is fan. It's you basically people send in reviews, and, and I think we've mentioned this in the past. But sometimes people will uh, try to uh, kill reviews to by giving them one star, and sometimes people will jack reviews up because they own the machine or something, and they're wanting to sell it. And, and I mean, this is the this is what I've heard. Now, I don't yes. think anyone can prove this, but it wouldn't surprise me because you get a lot of. Real extreme ratings from people that don't leave a comment just to try to alter the way it looks. Uh, but I don't think I would go quite so high. It's funny, my, my personal experience with this game, and I, I played it uh, in the arcade a couple times when it was out. Uh, it is, it was, I found it quite disturbing, if you want the truth, as a kid. And I didn't, I didn't really want to play it that much, but I did find it again in Pinball Arcade, and I played it a lot more. It's a difficult machine. Uh, those outlanes are brutal. Uh, they will. They will. Uh, it, it drains a lot. Although, well, you can bump uh, in the in the actual machine, not in the virtual machines as well. Uh, the outlanes are wider, but there's a plastic on it on either side that if you hit the plastic, you can bump the machine, and it will go through a gate back into the outlane, back into play. So that's why it's a little bit wider. You have to really work the machine. It's a hard machine. This is another one of those wacky machines. And this is you don't see that much, but every once in a while I'd see it in the arcade. Every 15 minutes, uh, a ball would just shoot in the play field, bing bong around, and drain. Yeah, for an attract mode, <laughs> yeah. It's always strange. It's always strange. <laughs> but overall, I like the game. I don't think I'd give it a, a, a quite that high. Uh, I looked also looked on, uh, um, on the other pinball rating site, which is called Pinside. I like Pinside. They do pretty good work sure. over there. They gave it a 7.94, so pretty similar. I don't think I'd go that high. I'd probably give this about a 7. I'd give it uh, about and, a 6. And the art is a large chunk of the reason why, just because the art is so incredible. It's definitely worth going out of your way to look at, if not play, and you know, it is what it is. Well, I'm, doing, guessing, I'm guessing you're about feel about the same. I, I do. While doing research for this game, however, I, I found something that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, 
someone had taken a Twilight Zone, yeah. removed all the art, or well, I'm guessing had a separate play field, and already, black and whited it. I already hate this. No. Oh, they black and whited it to be like the show. Yeah. That's not the worst idea. That, it looks incredibly awesome. I mean, they changed all the components on the game, yeah. like the gumball machine and stuff, and made it all black and white. It looks amazing. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. So, with that wacky uh, choice out of the way, Brent, what do you uh, bring to the table this week? I went back and for a computer I'd never hardly use mm -hmm. and grabbed a glider for the old Mac Classics and, and up the line. And while I specifically was focused on Glider 3.14, I want to kind of go over the history of Glider because it's kind of interesting. Uh, Glider was made by Jonathan Calhoun. This was back in his college days. Funny thing is, in the beginning, this was first programmed for a Commodore Vic. Really? And he was in Alaska, and he was just toying around with programming, and he was up there with his father, and he had the concept of paper floating on vents, which is a big part of uh, what happens in Glider, and he tinkered with it on the Vic, and just got to a point where he couldn't go any farther, and then was leaving Alaska to go to college. Many, many years later, uh, he picked up, he had a Mac Classic, and uh, decided to revisit the project that came up with Glider. Glider is a huge cult following game for the Mac community. This is one of their big, big go-to titles to go and show how fun gaming on the Mac could be. And it's kind of strange because we're talking about Glider 3.14. Which makes you wonder what happened to Glider 1 and Glider 2. Mm -hmm. Glider 1 is virtually lost to obscurity. Uh, it's the exact same game as Glider 3, but without sound and without... Uh, uh, it had some bugs with it. Now, were these released? These were all released. Well, shareware okay. releases. Okay. But we'll get into that. So, when he first released Glider, the first Glider... Uh, it had a lot of bugs, it didn't have sound, and he almost immediately pulled it. And instead of calling this like Glider 1. whatever, he just called it Glider 2. So Glider 2 had a is still findable on the web. Um, and it was, it's, it's, it's the exact same game with just sound and, and bug fixes. And it got pulled. So he said, well, okay, I, I'm, you know, that wasn't good enough. Now I'm putting out Glider 3. Glider 3 hit the market, and between Glider 3, Glider 3.1, Glider 3.2, uh, 3.1 and 3.14, uh, the game just was refined. And he finally realized that he should stop going up incrementally with his game. That's the exact same game because it's confusing. Yeah, but it is, this, I, I think I played two. This was uh, <laughs> during the college, his college days, so he, he did figure it out. Uh, when he released these games, he released them as shareware. And uh, starting at, well, from what everyone knows, he started trying to get money for it on Glider 3. And uh, his about screen says, look, I know you don't want to send any money. I mean, really, how often are you going to play this game? But if you could just send eight bucks, that'd be awesome. Just let me know that you're enjoying the game. Or if you just want to write me and, and we'll talk, 
That's awesome. Because, <laughs> I mean, the dude, he, he was lonely. Yeah, well, he wasn't lonely. He had a girlfriend at the time. But he was saying... Uh, you that? Yeah, well, he did. That's incredible. Um, but he was just saying, you know, I, I would like to get recognition for the work I did. And he didn't quite understand, because, of course, you know, the internet and stuff. Uh, he didn't quite understand how big Glider was getting in the community. So he started getting a lot of letters. And he said that not a lot of checks... He said he'd get about one check a week and that he would take that money and go and get pizza, pizza and soda. And he could almost always guarantee that at least one check a week would come and he would cash it and go out and get pizza with it. <laughs> so that's great. Glider uh, 3.1 releases and he's like, you know, he's saying again, uh, if you can send $8, that's great. And he stopped asking for letters because he was getting a ton of letters just talking about the game, wanting to know stuff, um, but no check with it. So he, he cut that part out of us about uh, and was just asking for $8. And you could also buy the source code for 15 Right. Uh, Glider 3.14, which was the last of the Glider uh, black and white series, he finally just says, you know what? Stop sending me crap. The game is free. Everyone go out there and enjoy it. Uh, which was pretty cool of him. Uh, it was also, he, he used 3.14 to promote Glider 4, which was going to come out in color and black and white, and was a, an actual extension of the series, which was going to be uh, properly released with a publisher. Like a, a commercial release. That's correct. I see. And the, the publisher they got for this was uh, Cassidy and Green. Oh yeah, they're great. Um, it's like a law firm. So Cassidy and Green released Glider 4, uh, and they actually stayed in, in business for like 15 years. Uh, not solely on this release, but you know, releasing other little titles like it. Um, but when they went bankrupt, part of the agreement with Glider was that uh, John would regain the rights to it. So John, in the early 2000s, got the release, the rights back for Glider, and he said, you know what, we're just going to make this free for everybody. And he put the Glider Pro and Glider 4 and all the Glider games up on his website and said, just come, get them, enjoy them. I hope you have a great time with it, which is very, very cool because he could have certainly um, tried to make a buck off the retro uh, nostalgia, but he didn't. He just wanted people to enjoy the game. And it's a good thing, too, because I really enjoy this game. Uh, the point of Glider is you are a paper airplane trying to escape your house, or a house, I suppose. And you do this by flying through the house, catching uh, updrafts from vents in the floor that will boost your plane upwards. And then you have to go room by room, uh, 15 rooms to get to a window that's guarded by a cat. And if you can dodge the cat and get out the window, you fly free. Uh, I never did go anywhere near the cat. I actually, I, I, I made it. I, I beat this. Really? Yeah, it's only 15 Holy stages. Smoke. Oh, yeah. Uh, the game is difficult until you... Uh, but when you see the pattern of a game of each room, you eventually get to the point where you know what, you, what to do. Uh, and once you complete a room and you know how to complete it, it's just a matter of doing it, which isn't so bad. If you play on any version besides 3.14, there are speed up and slow down bugs. So if you're having difficulty with the game, 
be sure you're playing 3.14, and that will probably help you out a lot. Mm. Um, but like I said, the game is just two buttons. It's uh, drift back and drift forward, and you control your little paper airplane, and you fly through a house, uh, avoiding obstacles like candles, uh, tables. Uh, you can get different power-ups like clocks to give you more time. Uh, in this game, there is no ability to shoot, uh, and there are other paper airplanes, like paper helicopters, that are used as obstacles to try to hit you out of the air. Uh, in later games, you could actually get rubber band upgrades to kind of shoot down like planes. I never saw any, uh, I didn't see anything like that. I just, all I did was fly around the rooms. So I must have been playing an older version. Or, well, I think I played two. I'm pretty sure it's the one I played. Yeah, and that's not, uh, definitely not the one to play. Um, but this is fun, and it's good, simple fun. The art in it, even though it's black and white and it's very basic, it has a certain amount of appeal to it. Um, just the different, seeing different rooms of a house, and, and they are, as you'd expect, like the kitchen's got cabinets, and you know the entryway has a, a, a table setting around and everything. It's all basic, and it's not a great use of black and white, but it is, but it's, it's, it's endearing in its simplicity. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Okay. I, I actually thought the art was really good. I, no, no, know, no, 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 no. I didn't say that the art wasn't good. I was just saying it was simplistic. What I liked about this game, first of all, it's, the concept is great. Yes. It's a great concept that I, I would never have thought of in a million years. Brilliant. Who wants to be a glider? They can't do anything, right? So you're effectively you're manipulating the environment to keep this glider going. Basically. Right. Very clever, y'all. Yes. And then the, there's something about you know. I, and listen, this is not a newsflash. I'm no big fan of Apple, but from a nostalgia perspective, going back and playing the old black and white Mac, right? The uh, monitor on that thing is crisp. Yeah, you know, it's it a is. Beauty. It's very sharp. And when it renders these graphics, they it's it's almost in its own Vectrex-like way. The image you receive on these monitors is a very crisp, detailed uh, picture. Uh, it's just when we did our games before on here on the on the classic, uh, it, it, it's such a good-looking, uh, uh, sharp image that the lack of color is not that big a deal. I agree. You know, and so I agree. I think the, I think he was right. The rooms are rendered nicely. They pop up, and the, the the airplane looks cool. Yeah. The effects on it, the movement is nice and smooth. I, I thought it looked just outstanding, and it's a clever game. Now uh, I stink at this game, but. Luckily, this is another one of these games we know. We know we just we just covered uh, Bruce Lee on the uh, uh, Spectrum on on our, our sister show, and this game is similar in that I liked it much more on the actual machine than I did when I played through an emulator. Sure, uh, because I think that's fair. You cannot you cannot simulate that uh, that uh, monitor effect on a on. A, to me, it doesn't look the same. Well, I mean, uh, I see it's a CRT monitor versus what almost certainly we all have flat panels right. nowadays. Well, it's, it's just that the, 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 there's a vibrance or a shimmer. Uh, if you go into like a real high-res Amiga uh, mode as well, you get that kind of weird shimmer. It's not a, a good on the Amiga, but it works. Whatever they've got going on the Mac, it works. And it and it, it adds to the game to me. I, maybe it's just the novelty of playing on that kind of... I mean, that's an unusual monitor. I never... When I was growing up, we didn't have any sort of grayscale monitor yeah. like that so we've never i've never experienced it before and i enjoy it every time i do and this game 
I think it shows it off as well as any does. Uh, uh, and it, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. And the, again, the the puzzle elements of this cover are very clever. Yes, it's a it, it is at its heart a puzzle game. And the uh, and the uh, um, it makes sense. I never feel like I got screwed over. I mean, it feels like you know you you're. It's not easy. It's not an easy game. I didn't think it was. No, Clearly, it's you not. You know a lot better than me. Well, a, a lot of it you have to uh, kind of go on faith because a lot of the pressing forward, you just barely, barely make it, and you hit that vent, and you start floating back yeah. up. It's a very, it's gratifying whenever you get to, to a point where your thing goes back in the air, you know, or gets under something or over something. Now, the one downfall of this game that they actually fixed in, in later versions is you're always moving either forwards or back. Uh, when you hit it, whatever key you last hit, that's the direction you go. So to kind of to stay above one event to go forward, you have to left and right it back and forth to kind of shimmy up. Uh, in later versions, they they took that out, and if you weren't pressing a key, you just would sink. You wouldn't be moving forwards or backwards. Um, some other releases of this uh, to explain how popular this was. This got released on all the Macs up to I believe. OS 10. Um, it also got a Windows release that still works, and uh, one of the really? yeah, and one of the uh, Nintendo retro carts that for the NES, they contacted uh, John and said, "Hey, we would like to port your game to the NES." This was way after the NES. This is, and he said he, <coughs> excuse me. He gave his blessing, and uh, joking you from far. Thank you. Uh, he gave his blessing, and that's what they did. They made a Nintendo have, part did, of it. Have you played any of these other versions? <coughs> I looked. I, I can't picture this game in color, for example. Yeah, I looked at Pro. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. I looked at Glider Four. Glider Pro was the one after it, and it does lose something when you go to color, in my opinion, um, because the art is just as basic. But it loses its kind of charm because now it just looks like crappy art. That's see, that's that's what I was wondering because I don't know if I'd want to play this game if they jacked up the art for the for the modern machine because you could effectively have a modern you could have a picture perfect room. No, like a lot of, now which that one might that might be <laughs> that might be kind of neat actually. Now I think about it, to have a photorealistic room and a photorealistic glider. And use legitimate actual stuff to keep it aloft. That could be kind of uh, I, I mean, I don't think anything between the two would be good. Right. You got this version with the black and white and, the, and on the on the you know on the old Mac, and then you could have a photorealistic version. But I don't think I'd want to see the evolving of that. You know. And, and I mean, the game itself is is very fun. It adds a few elements, uh, and it, which really helps the puzzle elements of it. Uh, it adds a battery where you can kind of dash forward. Which you need to solve some of the puzzles, but I, I I gave the graphics in this a pass on the black and white version because it was charm and it was uh, uh, you know it was very stylized. The color version I did not enjoy as much because uh, now it just looks cheap, which I don't uh, which I know is not what they were going for. They were trying to keep that charm, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games that was sort of like frozen in time. You don't want to mess with it. There are certain games like that. Like, I feel the same way as like, like something like a Jumpman or something. Yeah. Like people, it just, it's, the, the simplicity is part of it. You don't need to go in there and jack up the graphics. And we've seen this. This seems to be the, uh, the, 
thing to happen in the in the 90s and the early 2000s especially take one of these classic games and how you juice them back up or the new version where they've got it all jacked up and so the it, inevitably, it, yeah. it never works does it well and something else i want to mention about this game uh you actually have a choice between two different airplanes you can be the glider which is as you would imagine it's a wider wing plane uh paper airplane uh, you can also be a dart which is what I always called a jet airplane, which is the other basic fold of paper airplane. But, but I don't like playing with the dart. And in fact, no one likes playing with the dart. It, it's obviously, it's not even part of the title. Uh, but you move insanely fast. And you can actually break a lot of the puzzles with it. Uh, it's supposed to be in there for an easier way to finish the game. But it, it for me, it just kills it. Because yeah. it wasn't optimized to be played with the dart. It was optimized to be played with the glider. I, I always play with the glider. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. So, the, the, I'm guessing since this game had such longevity and was so popular, I'm guessing it got a good review. It, oh, it did, yes. Everywhere it got <clears throat> high praise. And as a shareware to a freeware game, you, you can't do much better, especially on the Mac. Now, so when they released this commercially... So did they release this in like a, a there's can you buy a can you go ahead and buy a box version? Not of Glider Three. Glider Four was uh, released through a publisher and had a box. I see. Sat on a shelf. So and so is that one particular? Is there a lot of value in that one? There's no because I mean it's still released out there today, right? Uh, in in different uh, compilations and you can just go and download it. And like I said, he's released it and. You could just go to his down his website right now and just download it. I so. see. Great. So, uh, I guess my last question on it is because again, I, and this is sort of a broader question: uh, with which version is the is the most popular one? I mean, did people keep playing the newer versions or, they, or the, are the classic versions? Well, something about the newer versions that uh, really boosted it to the next level is they gave you the ability to make your own rooms, a uh, level oh, editor. Oh, you're kidding me. And that became, of course, very popular. Uh, and there was quite a scene, especially at this time, when the internet was more of a thing and you could pass levels around. Uh, that became quite a thing. So a lot of uh, communities built levels for each other and passed them around, and it was quite a scene for a while. That's crazy. That, yeah. That's remarkable. Well... I think we're going to close the book on black and white games. Uh, pretty interesting. I think uh, of the two, I know I like Glider a lot. And so when you picked that one, I was actually looking forward to going back to it. Fun uh, game. It is. Take a look, guys. It's free. Go yeah, get it. Boat introduced to, to, uh, this to me. I don't know if that's where you saw it at a party. And it, uh, and it's, it stuck with me. It's, it's an excellent, it's an excellent uh, little item. Another excellent little item is a little thing we call the wheel. Ah, the music. All right. All right. So, Brent, tell the people what you've added this week. We have added a console back to the wheel, the Nintendo 64. The Nintendo 64. Who'd have thunk it? Quite, quite a bit of my... Uh, uh, Look, our little faces are turned on there, Brenny. Oh. <laughs> We're crooked. Here we go. Well, duh. Spin the wheel. What are, you, what are you hoping for? I uh, want, I want laser. Saturn. I want laser disc. It's Saturn time, baby. Oh, 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 oh. I, look, pull it back. Let's see what we got here. Oh, we got here. We got the Turbo Graphic CD. Oh my gosh! Now the Turbo Graphic CD, which I don't own, I'm afraid. I, I wish, but uh, 
there's a, so much stuff out for it that uh, is uh, JRPG related. Uh, but it, there's also a lot of non-JRPG stuff that, that, that I found interesting. It'll be fun to look at. That's one I have... Uh, access to the pretty much the entire library but i've not really messed with it that much have you ever have you ever messed with i have actually never emulated the TurboGrafx cd holy smokes well there you go this this will be your uh, new experience forward. hey thank good thing i jacked your xbox where you said i've got all pretty much all the stuff on there hey before we go i wanted to touch base with everyone on the uh, uh amigo aaron arcade uh helpline i requested uh, some folks send me some ideas for arcade themes uh, last week. I've been uh, doing a lot of work in here, and we actually got some pretty good quality requests. I just wanted to, uh, I'm not going to discuss, discuss the actual uh, theme yet, but I do want to acknowledge a couple people that sent us uh, some real nice ideas. Uh, I'd like to uh, uh, thank Roland Burke, who uh, sent us a very interesting idea. Uh, Pack Billy, uh, I always like it. Uh, I know another good one. And then uh, Andy Craig. Uh, perennial, yes. yeah. We see all, we see really uh, we see guys around. They all send us real nice ideas for themes. Uh, if you have an idea for, for a nice theme for our arcade or some decorative uh, touches, uh, you can send your ideas over to uh, uh, argpresents at mail dot com. That's argpresents at mail dot com. You can also use that email address to uh, uh, to say how horrible we are to make fun of brent to give us ideas for wheel pieces we're, yeah yeah if you've got if you've got a, i mean we're really listen we're taking the restraints off aren't we we don't we're just doing it man if you just want to come up with a with a i mean we did colors this week yeah I mean, anything is open yeah i like i kind of like some of the more abstract uh things i mean we don't always have to do a console in fact, I, you know, I'm getting to the point that we don't have to always do a video game. I do board games. I do role play. I don't care, man. Just, uh, would you like to see that stuff? If you think that might be interesting to put on the wheel, just for occasional change of pace, you know, drop us a line. I'm always interested to see what people sure. think about this. Or, or leave a comment in on, on under the YouTube uh, uh, video, whatever you want to do. Uh, so... Uh, I think, do we have any other news to discuss? I think that pretty much puts I it I think to that's bed. it. So... Next week, we'll be playing games on the TurboGrafx CD. And uh, until then... I'm well, gonna... wait a minute. Oh, wait. We're not done? I knew. He had to get his gimmick out. Until then... See you next week. Bye-bye.